Welcome to Fucking Cancelled, a podcast about what the left is like, what to do about it, and what it'll be like once we've done it. In today's episode, we talk about responsibility. We discuss the importance of knowing what we think and why we think it, what it means to have agency, and why we can't control other people. Welcome back to fucking cancelled. Welcome back to fucking cancelled. Did you guys know that Clementine is an amazing bowler? <laughs> it turns out that if you go bowling with Clementine, she'll win. I didn't win, but I did what's it called? When you knock all the pins down. A strike. I did two of those in a row. Yeah. So it, was it was pretty cool. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. It turns out that I'm really bad at bowling. But you, you won one of the games. I did win one of the games. So. But only because I was doing the granny style. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually is my street name. Yeah. Granny style. Um, so, bowling aside, um, we're doing something a little different um, on this episode. Yeah. Basically, when we were... Um, walking somewhere as we were often walking the two of us like to walk around a lot um the three of us on clover clover i think was there yeah clover was there okay um we were just talking about how okay so like the inspiration for this podcast really comes out of us walking around and talking right it's true basically like when the pandemic started um you know around when i got canceled we would just like walk and walk and walk and talk and talk and talk because there was a, there really wasn't a lot else to do. And we also had like a lot to say because we were both kind of deprogramming or we were in the final stages of deprogramming from the Nexus. Um, and so we would go on these long conver- like walks and have long conversations. Yeah. Just um, walking through the alleys. Yeah. Of Montreal. Yeah. And basically it was like out of those conversations that we first started to talk about doing a podcast because we were like, wow, like actually a lot of what we're saying in these conversations, um, because we trust each other to have these conversations, um, is actually like important stuff that we think that other people might want to hear and might want to take part in having these conversations themselves, you know? Yeah. Or we just like, we'd have like an hour long conversation and be like, fuck, we really should have recorded that whole thing. Yeah. It was like really good shit. In there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of what planted the seeds for the podcast. And then, you know, I guess... When we started to think about doing the podcast, which I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but we were like super nervous because it's very stressful to talk about cancel culture. It's like extremely... It's very terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) People get really fucking mad about it. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, exactly. So we were like really scared and, you know, we recorded a couple episodes and then didn't go through with it and we were like going back and forth on whether or not we should do it and we were like, what is the consequences of this going to be on our lives? Anyway, obviously we did go through with it and it's been... The rest is history. Yeah, it's been mostly a great experience. We've obviously been insanely canceled at higher levels than we ever could have predicted or foreseen. True. Um, But also we've met lots of amazing people and had lots of amazing conversations and like many uh, people have gotten on board with wanting to talk about these things and it's been really great. Um, But one of the things that we were talking about on this walk that we were having recently, which might have been in America, I'm not sure. I think it was in America. um, Was just basically we were talking about how... We want to record more episodes, um, but, like, recording episodes is still stressful for us because we put a lot of work into planning the episodes, like, really, really carefully. We put a lot of thought into it, Um, and then there's also, like, the recording itself. And I think this kind of goes along with the theme of the episode that we're going to talk about, but, like, I think there's a piece of that 
that does have to do with like responsibility and wanting to be careful with the podcast, wanting to choose our words mindfully and carefully. Yeah. Um, and to like do this podcast in a responsible way. Yeah. Um, which is good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the other piece is like fear, you know, it's the fact that like, you know, even though you guys might think of us as like extremely brazen for being willing to talk about these things so publicly. Like we also have nervous systems and are super fucking stressed out by the amount of harassment that we receive. And so, yeah. And like, I don't mind telling you that like we've done episodes where like I was basically like dissociating through like half the fucking episode yeah, because it's scary to talk about, you know? And it also definitely like pushes on buttons that we have. And I think that, yeah, like, you know, our episode with like Dr. Dr. Christine Marie really like, um, um, you know, pointed to this, like being the victim of like a severe cancellation campaign is super traumatizing for people. And I definitely carry around a lot of that in my body for sure. We both do. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's hard doing these fucking episodes, man. And like, you know, sometimes we just won't, we'll do like one episode a month because like we just, we're like fucking exhausted. It's it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard. And it's triggering both on the level of like the stuff that we're talking about is triggering for us, like personally. And also just on the fact that like we still carry around some of that hypervigilance of like not wanting to like say it wrong or not wanting to say it in a way that is going to be like misconstrued, which like obviously, you know, obviously we know like our, our listeners, you know, who are like genuinely listening in good faith are not out here trying to misconstrue us, but obviously our haters, if they even bother to listen to the podcast, they, they are. Don't. They, don't. they No, they don't listen. Um, <laughs> so we shouldn't worry about it anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, all of that was to say is that, like, we kind of wanted to start recording some episodes that are a little different um, in which we do not spend so much time painstakingly planning them out and more so just kind of freestyling. Just going off the cuff, yeah. Yeah. Talking a bit more, a bit more naturally, just having, like, a topic – and um, just having a discussion with each other the way that we, you know, often do. Yes. So that's this is going to be our first attempt at doing an episode like that. So if it's a little bit more all over the place than usual, that is why. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the conversation. Yeah, man. Um, before we get into it, I wanted to mention the Patreon because oh, we're yeah. trying Pitch to... It. Pitch it. <laughs> we're trying to get better at Give us your money. About, give us all your money. <laughs> okay, well, you don't have to give us all your money. Give but... us a small amount of your money, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Um... Basically, yeah, like most podcasts, they remember to talk about the Patreon um, on every episode. We have been like pretty um, hit and miss on talking about it, but we do have a Patreon. Basically, this podcast costs money to do. Um, we pay an editor, we pay a transcriber to pay for hosting. Yeah, we pay a transcriber to like transcribe all of the episodes. Which, if you don't know about that, if you go on the Patreon. Um, they're up there for free, so you don't have to be a, a patron to get access to the transcripts. They're there for free. It's just a place for us to upload them. Yeah, they're attached as PDFs to each of the episodes. Like, uh, we usually upload the transcripts, like, a couple weeks after we upload the yeah. episode because it takes time to transcribe them. Yeah, but... But we pay someone to do that. It's we, fucking expensive, by the way. Yeah, we pay someone to do that because, basically, we want people to have access to transcriptions for accessibility reasons and also just because, you know, some people find it easier to, like, read along or to just read the content. We want the content to be out there. We want people to be having these conversations. So... So yeah, and yeah, we pay for hosting, whatever. There's like a bunch of expenses. And then on top of that, you know, there's like our time and we do put a lot of time into the podcast um, on top of our regular hustles that we're doing and um, we'd like to put more time into the podcast. So if you believe in the podcast, if the podcast is important to you, if it has been significant for you in your life, if you want to see us continue to do it. We really would love it if you check out the Patreon, um, and we will be posting various things up there, various, 
you know, I'll post the PDFs to my, my, uh, fuck the police scenes. And like, you know, we do various articles and this and that, and there'll be other stuff in the future. Yep. But mainly it's just a way to support the pod if you believe in the pod. Yep. So that is my pitch. So we'd appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. So yeah, the topic that we're going to talk about today is uh, responsibility. All right. Which is, um, apart from just being like an important concept in general, um, it's one of the principles of the pod that we talked about in the first episode. Yeah. Um, so in the first episode, we we had a you know a list of principles that we found to be like very important for us in our in our political life. Yeah. Um, and you know they're we just you know they're just like things yeah just things that we found to be important um, and we talked about how they often conflict with the kinds of um, orthodoxies that you find in the Nexus, you know, and how like a big part of our deprogramming was sort of being like, well, I actually, we, like we, I have these fucking principles, yeah. you know, um, and I don't want to abandon them because I'm a principled person yeah. and I'm really, really sick and tired of having my principles be sort of like overruled by the, the, the zealotry that we were finding in the, in the Nexus and online social justice world. Totally. So, yeah. And so responsibility was not the first one on the list, but it is one that... It's an we, important one. It's an important one and one that we just wanted to talk about today. Yeah. And in the 12-step programs, there's, you know, um, in step 12, they talk about practicing these principles in all of your affairs. Yeah. And there's also the saying that is said all the time, which is principles before personalities. Yes. Um, and these are things that we, you know, have learned and deeply internalized from years in 12-step programs, and they're very important, like, guiding ways of thinking about things. And if you're interested in hearing more about that and you haven't listened to the first episode yet, I would really recommend going back and um, listening to it because we unpack, you know, why principles are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, but principles are very important, and people should have principles, and they should be able to refer back to their principles to know if they are acting inside their integrity or not. Yeah, for sure. Um, this, so, may, this may come as a surprise to you, but you have the capacity to determine for yourself if you are acting in your own integrity. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there, and I'm going to say this. Whoa. You also have the responsibility. Oh, <laughs> shit. You know? Yeah. Um, so responsibility. Yeah. Um, so in the first episode, we talked about responsibility as like basically the state of being an ethical actor in the world, um, feeling a part of the communities that you move through and doing what's in your power, you know, to move towards positive change and and committing to your own growth and healing. Mm -hmm. So that's the the sort of like broad definition of responsibility. And then there's a sort of narrower one, which is about, um, like trying to repair harm and all that kind of Mm -hmm, thing. mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, I think that responsibility has a lot to do with agency, um, and it has a lot to do with owning your own kind of like capacity to create change. Um, it has a lot to do with your ability to act in the world as, as you said in that definition and to, to be responsible means to know that your actions have impacts. Um, and, and yes. that, and that the actions that you take have an effect on yourself, on other people and on the world. Yes. And, and to me, like responsibility has a lot to do with community and, um, and being like interconnected with people. So yeah. I think that in a lot of ways, what, what we could say responsibility is, or maybe where, what we could say, um, where responsibility resides is like in the intersection of agency and 
like community basically mm-hmm. like it's the intersection of the individual with the world that the social world that they're in yeah you know and yeah. how best to sort of like like live that connection yeah i think that's true i also think that there is a level of sort of like responsibility towards the self as well true. like and true. i kind of think that our capacity to be in relationship responsibly with others starts in a responsible relationship with ourselves mm. and i think we see this in 12 step programs all the time with the focus on things like um you know, like, are you, are you taking care of you? You know, all of this stuff about people having a morning routine and like doing things that are like taking care of themselves. Um, and like, because if you are feeling all crazy and not well, you're just not likely to be able to show up in your relationships in more of a responsible way. Yeah, that's true. Like the more sort of unstable and unhealthy you're feeling in yourself, the the less you're going to be acting responsibly. That tends to be the case, you know? Um, and again, you know, um, I feel like we always have to say this because of the nexus and because of the punitive nature of cancel culture that like when we talk about these things, you know, um, another thing that they say in 12 step culture is like progress, not perfection. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about responsibility and being responsible, this is always like an ideal that we're like moving towards. And it's something that we aim to embody, but that doesn't mean that we are responsible all the time or that we act in a responsible way all the time. Right. 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 It's not really possible. Yeah. And And like, I think that we, like, this is kind of, like, micro, but, like, there's two different ways of talking about responsibility. Like, you... If, if somebody says you are responsible... Okay. There's, like, two different meanings to that. Yeah. Because, like, there is, like, a responsibility that exists whether or not you take that responsibility. Like a duty. Yeah. Like, that responsibility exists whether or not you step into it. Right. Right? So, for example, like... I have the responsibility to behave in an ethical way. Right. Right? Right. Like, we could say that all people have a responsibility to behave in an ethical way. Okay, yeah. Um, But that doesn't mean that all people behave in an ethical way. And so the people that are not behaving in an ethical way are not taking that. Not They're not taking responsibility. Yeah, sure. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, like, those responsibilities always exist. Like, the responsibility to be in right relationship with yourself and others always mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. But whether or not we take that responsibility and like to what extent we take it varies. And it varies a lot, like for everybody, you know? Like there's days where you're like having a bad day, you know, and you don't act in the most responsible way because you are having a bad day. And so you're kind of like not acting like your best self. You're not acting your most integrity. And so you might kind of be like short with someone or like a little bit rude. Um, and that's not acting in the most responsible way that you could be acting. But, like I said, it's on a spectrum, right? Like, people are not always acting as their most responsible self all the time. And that's fine. And I feel like we need to say that because it's like, I know when you're so brainwashed by the nexus and by cancel culture, you're like, when you listen to these things, it's very easy to be like, oh my god, I'm a terrible person. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think that actually, yeah, it's helpful to think of, um, okay, I have this, let me just think this through. Like, I think that responsibility can be juxtaposed with accountability in a lot of different ways. And yeah. we've talked about this in the pod a lot, a lot. Um, one of those ways that, that, um, I feel that, that distinction yeah. is I think of responsibility as being a, a much more, um, let's say horizontal and like less kind of like enforced, yeah. um, manifestation. Whereas accountability seems to me to be like much more top down and much more like enforced and punitive, right? Yeah. Um, people 
force you to be accountable yeah. like in the nexus or whatever. Whereas a responsibility, like you said, is sort of this like pre-existing um, like set of like duties or whatever that, that people can step into or not basically. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we have to be careful with talking about them as being pre-existing because I don't think that they spring like just from nowhere. Like they're socially constructed to a certain degree, but I definitely think that there's, you know, um, when we're talking about like ethical action, like, you know, people from different times or different societies might have a different idea of what that is, mm-hmm. but usually it involves something along the lines of, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Um, and to try to make like the world a more positive place. Um, and yeah, so I don't know in, in that sense, I think of responsibility as being something that like, it's not something that's, that's forced on you by others. It's something that you choose as an ethical actor to, to work towards and to step into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say something about the whole, like, like responsibility, not springing from nowhere comment that you made. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, I think that there's kind of like, at least in the way that I think about it for myself, there's kind of like levels to it. I agree with you that it's like culturally shaped and like historically specific and all of this. Um, I think that there's like a parallel that can be made to episode six where we talk about boundaries mm. and the idea of like implicit versus explicit boundaries. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that like there are certain implicit responsibilities that, that we have, you know, and people might disagree about what those are, you mm. know? And I think that, um, that there, that could be a discussion or, or a, a debate about what those are. But I think that, yeah, for example, like not randomly punching someone in the face is like an implicit, um, responsibility, right? It's like the idea that we should act with basic like consideration to other people is like an implicit responsibility. Um, yeah. and like basically not crossing other people's boundaries in some kind of way. Um, and then there's like, so there's like the implicit ones of just like behaving in a way that is considerate of others and like respectful of others and like treating others the way that you would want to be treated and so on. Yes. And then there is responsibility that comes from like your own integrity. Right. Right. And that is a bit more, I think it's based on those implicit, um, responsibilities, but it, it shifts because everybody has their own sort of like principles and their own way of thinking about things. And basically it's like, we have our principles and we talk about them very explicitly and we know what they are because like we've thought about them a lot and we like work hard to make sure that our actions are in alignment with them. And you know, we think that they're good principles and we think that probably the world would be a better place if most people had those principles, but other people might have slightly different principles, right? Sure. Yeah. And I think responsibility in a certain sense has to do with being internally consistent that like you know what your principles are and you are actually acting within them like you are being responsible in the sense that like you are not just behaving in ways that are out of alignment with those principles. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so like, you know, um I think that in the nexus a lot of people they don't even know really what their principles are or like they are acting in ways that are inconsistent and confusing, right? Yes. Because they are following, um, orthodoxies and like, um, an ideology that is like really confusing and like ever changing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so their behaviors don't have like this basic grounding in principles. And, and I think that's irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the nexus really encourages people to shift their, their principles with the situation rather than like having that inherent sense. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, this kind of brings me to something else and it kind of brings us back a little bit to what you were just saying about accountability versus responsibility. But like basically the nexus and cancel culture 
they actually encourage you to hand over your responsibility for yourself all the time. In, in a bunch of different ways, yeah. And by deferring to other people, right? And this deference is actually, like, it's irresponsible. Because it's this idea that, like, somebody else can tell you whether what you did is right or wrong. Whether what you did is responsible or, or irresponsible. Right. And, like, for us in the framework that we're working in... That's actually, like, not really possible. Like, a person can give you feedback and can give you information about why they think what you did is right or wrong, you mm-hmm. know? And you can carefully weigh that. Right. Um, and think about it and, like, you know, listen carefully to it, talk to people about it, think about your principles, think about how it aligns, you know, think about if this information is maybe introducing a new principle for you or, like, maybe it's shifting your principles in some way. Like, all of that is fine. But... For you to just let that information totally override your principles, even if it doesn't make sense to you in your ethical, like, framework, you know, that is irresponsible. And it is actually, like, giving up your responsibility um, and, like, basically handing it over to somebody else, like, letting them make those decisions for you. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, okay, so if we follow that train of thought, it's like responsibility has to do with being, yeah, consistent and holding to your principles, right? And so what that means is that if we find that someone you know, is acting in a way that is, that we know is like out of, out of accordance with their own principles, you know, then we can remind them of that. And that's like a useful and like helpful thing to do. Yeah. I think, you know, like I recently was having a conversation with someone and they were telling me that they basically have been, they had this like lie that's like ongoing and they like needed to like they they basically had like told someone that they were going to do something but like they had already done that thing okay. um, so they were going to go to like a cafe to like hang out for an hour to pretend to be doing okay, that thing you right. know and they were just sort of like oh my god this is so annoying that I have to do this and I was like <laughs> right. I was like, sure, I get it. Like, you're doing this because you don't want to, like, disappoint that person. So, like, you have, like, a good intention. But you're also being, like, dishonest to the point where you're now, like, carrying out this, like, wacky fucking scenario so that that you basically can avoid a conflict, right? And I was sort of like, I don't think that that is, like, in accordance with your own principles according to, like, what I know of you, you know? And and I wasn't saying you have to be accountable to this person or whatever. You don't have to be accountable to anyone. Like you are your own person. Um, the person that you mainly have to be accountable to, I just mean bunny ears, um, is yourself, you know, but I would much rather talk about responsibility, you know? And I think that you have a responsibility to yourself to like hold to your own principles, which involve honesty. Um, and there's no, there's no need for you to be caught in this lie basically. Like you, you can just tell this person, you know, I, um, I actually lied to you because I didn't want to disappoint you. Yeah. And and I realized that I don't want to be lying to you. So I'm just going to let you know that this is actually what's going on. Totally. You know? um, and my friend was just like, wow, yeah, like that, that really makes sense. Like I, I'm going to go think about that basically, yeah. you know? And like notice at no point did I like was cancel there, this person on the internet. Yeah, there was or, no or, like, shaming and scolding. There was and, no like, shaming and no scolding because there's no point in, in any of that, you know? Shaming and scolding this person is not going to make them like – you know, learn a lesson. It's not going to like, I I probably wouldn't be able to force them to do anything like whatever, you know, and even if I did, they would resent me for it. And also it's not my job to force this person to do anything. It's, it's really not, you know, like my job as a friend is to help remind people if I don't think that they're being responsible to themselves. Yeah. And it's also, it's not your responsibility, you know, Uh. it's not your place. Like, (laughs) you know, um, it's their, it's their responsibility and it's their place. Um, so there's a couple threads I want to pull on um, 
about responsibility um, before we move further with the responsibility versus accountability thing. But basically, I think a key important part of responsibility, again, that I have learned from uh, 12-step culture is that responsibility means doing the right thing, right meaning acting in alignment with your principles, acting in a way that is ethical, um, even when no one is around, even when nobody knows about it, Mm. even when it's inconvenient, and even when it's unpopular. Yeah. Um, And I think that this is where it gets hard, right? Because it's like we might have principles um, that we like to keep to. And again, like this is always progress, not perfection. Nobody does this perfectly. But if we have these principles that are sort of like our guiding um, actions um, and we want to live in accordance with them, then that means doing that consistently even when it would be easy not to. Yeah. And even when it would be really, even when it's really hard to, right? That's right. Even when it's like extremely hard to, and it's very bad, (laughs) like doing it is really, really, really hard, right? you know? And I think like for myself with, um, with the cancel culture stuff, it's like, I really was at a crossroads when I was being canceled or when the initial cancellation, you know, happened because I was at a crossroads of either I, you know basically sell myself out and sell out my, my firmly held principles, um, in order to appease this person and in order to like avoid punishment. Um, or I stick to my principles. I act in a way that I believe is ethical and that is in accordance with like what I think is right. And I get massively fucking punished, you know? Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, when they're faced with that, it makes sense. Like I'm not judging it. You know, I've done it many times myself in the past, but it, people will be like, okay, I, I don't want to get in trouble, you know? And so I'm going to not act in a way that is in alignment with my principles, you know? So yeah, I think that that is an important piece of it for sure Mm -hmm. is like, how do we continue to act in ways that are responsible even when, um, even when it's deeply unpopular and can get you in a lot of trouble? yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in the nexus and we're talking about cancel culture in particular here, like it, like it's very dangerous or it can be very dangerous depending on where you're situated in the situation, but it can be very dangerous to refuse to participate in a cancellation, for example, yeah. you know, especially when it's one of these cancellations where like, you know, a crew of people is basically like tagging like everybody who's yeah. even tangentially involved and, and like forcing you to like make a statement or whatever. It can be dangerous not to, it can be even more dangerous to stand up against it. Right. Yeah. Like to either like shoot back and sort of say like, I'm not going to do that or to just remain silent and people can get really, really yeah. out of shape about it, you know? Um, but I think if we, if we think about our principles, like honestly, yeah. right, I think that most people who want to consider themselves like an ethical actor yeah. would agree that it's not a very principled thing to, for example, speak on situations you don't know anything about, yeah. um, to participate in like a mob, uh, simply because you're afraid not to, yeah. um, to, you know, speak unkindly about like a colleague or peer, um, like solely because of social pressure, mm-hmm. um, like you know, most people, if you presented it that way, they would be like, yes, like I, I wouldn't do those things, yeah. you know, but in the context of a cancellation, people are like, they, they, they do those things, yeah. you know? And I would argue that they are being extremely irresponsible yeah. by doing that. And they're not holding themselves to like an ethical standard yeah. that they would otherwise hold themselves to. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the context of cancellation, yeah. because of the context of the nexus that yeah. normalizes the, these kinds of things. Yeah. And I want to sort of talk about 
this built-in logic that exists within cancel culture, which is this idea, right, that, like, when you are being told that you did something wrong, you did something wrong. Right. The believe accusers thing. The believe accusers thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's this very fundamental logic inside the nexus and inside cancel culture, which is that you have to agree. Like, if somebody says you did something wrong, you have to agree that you did something wrong. Right. And, like, to me, this is just, like, such a profoundly irresponsible way of thinking, right? Oh, yeah. It gives up your responsibility entirely. Entirely. you don't have to do the important and difficult ethical work of figuring out for yourself if you've fucking done something wrong or not. And you need to know. Like... You have to know. <laughs> this is yeah. what I find so baffling. It's like the thing you were telling me about how, like, there was some somebody who was, like, accused of sexual assault of some sort. This is a common thing. I've heard it from multiple people. Yeah, yeah. actually, I have too. Yeah. Um, somebody who's accused of some sort of sexual assault, and he makes this statement that's basically, like... Um, listen, like, I, I don't know if I sexually assaulted anyone, but if I did, like, I'm really sorry and I want to hear more about it, you know? And it's sort of like, bro, you should definitely know if you sexually assaulted somebody. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what sexual assault is. Like, I'm sure that you do. Totally. And this is not even a situation involving, like, a blackout or, like, a situation where someone's like, I don't, I can't account for a certain period of time. No. It's like, this is a situation where... They can't account for the entire time they were around right. mentally. You and know? somebody's accusing them of sexual and assault. They're and they're like, like they, I literally don't remember that. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> like I don't I don't have a memory of committing a sexual assault, but perhaps I accidentally did. And it's like, this is the thing, like, you know, and I guess this goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode, which is that sexual assault is an objective fact. Yeah, it's like a specific action. Yeah, it is not something that is just vague and like that has to do with someone's internal experience. You know, if what we're saying is that, you know, the person accusing um, at some point decided that they no longer were interested in, in carrying out the act and they didn't communicate that and the person who was initiating or carrying out the act didn't know, like that's different. And I can understand someone being like, hey, like when I was like, when we were having sex or whatever, I thought that you were totally down with everything and now you're telling me that you're not and that's like really concerning to me and like I feel like, you know, I wish I had paid more attention to your body language or I wish that we had found better ways of communicating. Like all of that is legit and like very responsible to be like, how could I do this better or like how could I be a better communicator? But, you know, the idea that we just sort of have no idea what we're doing until somebody tells us that we've done something wrong is a very irresponsible and kind of like crazy way to move through the world. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think like to make this even spicier, you can apply it to race and racism too. And I think that like, like, well, all people, um, I think you could, you know, very reasonably say that white people in particular, but all people need to have an understanding of race and racism, like to, to function in the modern world where like we are engaged in this project of dismantling race and racism right you know like that is one of the the projects of of like modernity yeah um and well late modernity anyway um and that means that we need to think carefully about it we need to like have uh, a lot of different like informational inputs so that we're not just like you know taking information from one stream yeah um we need to be familiar like, I think to, to be a responsible thinker on this, you have to be re- familiar with, like, the works of, like, you know, m- many different people who thought about this. Yeah. Um, I would argue including the points of view of racists so that you can, like, know what they think as right. well and, and, like, oppose it properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, yeah, and, and so what that means is that, like, I think that if you, you know, are a person who opposes racism and wishes to, like, dismantle the, the phenomenon of race, um, you should have a good idea of what racism is and, and how it functions. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't have blind spots. 
people do. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, that's absolutely the case. Um, but it, it does mean that I think like a responsible and thoughtful person um, of any background can have a good understanding of how race functions and what racism is. Yeah. Um, or at least you can have, you are responsible to know what you think and why you think it. Yes. You know? yes. Because it's like, you know, we aren't actually. That's a good way to put it. We aren't actually saying that there is one right, correct way of thinking about these things, right? For sure. I mean, there's we, lots of different opinions. Yeah. And we have, you know, Jay and I share, you know, a similar way of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but we know what we think and why we think it, you right. know? We know what the lineage is of our thought and where it comes from and, like, what thinkers we agree with and which thinkers we don't agree with. And, like, we've actually thought carefully about these things because these questions matter to us, you know? That's right. And basically, like, the idea that is so common in the, in the Nexus, the identitarian thing of being like, well, you know, as a white person, it's not my, um, place to have an opinion about racism. And so I must defer to people of color. Right. That is the general Nexon's. That's the take. That's what they say. Yeah. But, but again, it's profoundly irresponsible. It's profoundly irresponsible and it. And racist. And racist <laughs> because it is implying that people of color, um, are a monolith. that all racialized people think the same thing, which is absurd. Um, but yeah, like I remember when I was getting canceled initially and I was like having a conversation about it, you know, with a friend who was just basically really upset that I was not, um, you know, making an accountability statement or whatever about why I was being canceled and that I was continuing to hold my ground. And basically they were, they were saying that like, I needed to like, listen to BIPOC on this topic, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. on the topic of race. And I was like, which ones, you know? And I was like, who are your favorite thinkers yeah. <laughs> that you would recommend right. um, whose views on race you agree with? Right. And, and can you let me know? Because I can tell you, you know, yeah. um, where I'm getting my ideas from. And they're specific people. They aren't... Um, <laughs> they aren't just like, like magical floating... Yeah, it's not just like the entire... like billions of people that fall under the acronym BIPOC, you know, it's like they're, they're specific thinkers. Yeah, that they, come have out names. Of, they, have, they have names and, and it comes out of a specific lineage <laughs> and like they have books and they have articles and they have, you know, talks on YouTube and like whatever. So yeah. So to be responsible on this topic or on any other, you know, you really need to know what you think and why you think it. And I also think like, you know, that responsibility is always in process. Like it is always striving and unfolding. Like you're, you don't arrive. You're always learning more, you know, and, mm -hmm. and what you think and how you think and, and why you think it can change. Right. Like yeah. I think part of being responsible is that when you are provided with new information and when you t think about that information and you take it seriously, if it, if it doesn't fit with the framework that you're working with, you have to change the framework. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you're if you're presented with new information and it's accurate information, yeah. then you have to incorporate it. Yeah, yeah. if you think yeah, about yeah, yeah. that information and it makes sense and it's accurate and like it's trustworthy and like you hadn't thought of that before, and then you're like, damn, you know? And like that's happened to me. It's happened to me in major ways in my life. Like, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like my deprogramming is literally that. But yeah. it's like, you know, I am willing to take in new information and maybe that will profoundly change. Like the principles that I'm operating under or like the framework that I'm working with. And mm. like, so mm. it is, it's always in flux. Like it's never like this, like, you know, a static thing that you arrive at and you're like, this is just what I think. And it's what I think forever. It's like, no, to be responsible means to be responsive and to actually be able to take in new information and to consider it. And then to change if 
if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a, a middle point between you know being so rigid that you can't change and being just like a fucking floppy like mess that just like folds over as soon as like anyone sort of like mentions an identity you know which i think is something that happens a lot in in cancel culture and obviously it doesn't just happen with race and racism right it's with all these different like identities and the sort of like the 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 modes of oppression that go with them um but people will you know constantly do this this is how a cancellation works almost always is that like someone will name uh an identity group that they're part of use that as um you know the 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 thing that makes you have to defer to them yeah um and and use that to leverage their cancellation right or the cancellation of the person that they're trying to cancel i should say and you know to be responsible i think means that we have to you know take the claims that this canceller is 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 presenting and then you know you know match them against reality and what we know of the world and our own understanding of things. And if they don't fucking match up, then to be responsible is to either say that, you know, even if it's going to get you in fucking trouble because you have to be honest um, or to just at least not participate in in whatever fucking crazy bullshit that they're trying to drag you into, you know? Um, Because if somebody is, you know, making claims that are just fucking inaccurate or are like, you know, just profoundly abusive or whatever it is, then you have a responsibility to, to note that yeah, and not just go along with it simply because someone happens to claim that they are like whatever they, the identity happens yeah. to be. And it's true, not just with cancellations, but with any other, with any other thing like in the nexus or outside of it. If somebody says, you know, here's, here's something that I think you should believe and you should believe it because I told you so. And you, and you should listen to me because I am claiming this authority for this reason, Yeah, you know, like we have a responsibility to sure hear what they said, yeah. Hear hear the justifications that they're making and and the the authority that they're claiming, mm-hmm. and then think about it seriously. Think about it For and sure. like weigh it out against everything else that we know and see if it makes sense. You know, For sure. Because and, sorry, yeah. I was just gonna say like I think that we we may have ranted about this a little bit in our identitarianism episode, yeah. Um, but I think it's worth ranting about again. It's so fucking annoying because people in the nexus will say, well. Um, be as that may, like you have to like listen to, let's say BIPOC, you know, um, and like, it's not your place as a white person. to like, even like make these judgments, you know, you have to listen to BIPOC about it, but they don't believe that. No, they They do not believe that because they would not accept it. If, if you happen to listen to, you know, a person of color or a racialized person who is a conservative or or who disagrees with their ideology. Like if you, if you say like, okay, the the person of color that I'm listening to on this is Candace Owens, they're not going to accept that. Obviously. Obviously. Right? They're like, no, you have to listen to the people of color that I personally yeah. agree with. Which is why know? it isn't it's weird because it's like it's not even actually identitarianism. It's like it's like posturing as identitarianism it's, because it pretends that it boils everything down to identity, but it doesn't. The ideology comes first. Yeah. You know, and then the and then after the fact, the identity is used to like bolster the ideology. Right. Um So it's like if you if you are a person who is already in the nexus, you know, and believes strongly in this idea that you just have to like listen to BIPOC or whatever, um, or listen to queer people, yeah, whatever it might, whatever it might be, um, think about the fact that you sincerely do not actually believe that, you know, yeah, like like, like think about it, yeah, it's important, like, and so I I also wanted to say this is like I guess this is a term I don't actually know where this came from but um, it comes out of anarchism for sure. But the idea of legitimate and illegitimate authority. Right. Um, so it's not that no one is an authority on anything, right? Right. Like sometimes when you're listening to people 
making claims. Right. Um, there is a there is good reason why you should take what they're saying sort of with more weight than somebody else. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Um, and that is called legitimate authority, right? right. Yeah. So, for example, if somebody, like, you know, has, like, a huge amount of education on a certain topic or, like, a huge amount of experience on a certain topic and what they're saying is, like, highly informed through that. Um, like, for example, like, if I'm going to get surgery, I'm going to want a surgeon to do that. Um, yes. As opposed to somebody who is not a surgeon. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. Um, and you'll defer to the surgeon. Yes, like, I, when the surgeon is like, you have to, you know, like, not eat this morning before your surgery or whatever, yeah. you, will, uh, you will fucking yeah. follow that person's authority. Totally. And yeah. I mean, like, even with, like, legitimized authority, you know, we can still question those things, right? Like, yeah. doctors have, you know, legitimized, and I'm saying legitimized now instead of legitimate, but the reason is, is because, like, we live in a society that is going to say, okay, this is legitimate authority, but, you know, everybody knows doctors who have given terrible advice or who, like, literally don't understand your health condition or, like, whatever, right? Sure, yeah. So even, like... It doesn't mean you can't question it. It doesn't mean you can't question it, and you you should. As a responsible person, you should probably question all authority to a certain extent, right? Because you need to think about it carefully if you're going to be making responsible decisions. Um, yeah. defer- deferring in general is is handing over your responsibility. But sometimes, you know, it makes sense to do that because you personally are not a surgeon and you literally know less about that than this person. Um, and so you are going to defer. Um, and there's lots of examples beyond surgeons where that makes sense, right? Like there's situations where you're going to be like, okay, this person is making this claim. Here's why they're making this claim. And does it make sense that I should sort of defer to their knowledge on this? Right. Yeah. And we have to make sort of like, um, the best decisions that we can with regards to that. Like we need to weigh that out and be like, does it make sense for me to defer to this person's authority on this? Does this seem like legitimate authority and why? Um, right. Or is it illegitimate authority? And illegitimate authority is when somebody is claiming authority on something when they really shouldn't be. Or, like, they don't actually have this, like, extra knowledge on it, right? Yeah. And so in the Nexus, like, you know, authority very often is grounded in this idea of, like, lived experience or identity. And you're not allowed to question people who... um who are grounding it in that. Right. It's called epistemic deference. Right. There you go. Deference is right in the, in the title. Yeah. Um, and like in general, deference is not a good thing. Like deference, in my opinion, deference is irresponsible because it literally means handing over the responsibility to think carefully about this, to make a decision about this to somebody else, Mm -hmm. because you're, I guess you're saying that that person has greater authority. And so with the thing with like, legitimate authority versus illegitimate authority it's like you know who do you defer to and why and i think that being responsible means thinking very 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 carefully about that question you know um and i don't like to defer to people very much at all like (laughs) (laughs) you know i would rather not like i would rather think through things very carefully myself and to like take in that doesn't mean you know not listening to others it actually means listening to a lot of different others um, and thinking about their ideas very carefully and then like making a synthesis out of that and figuring out what makes sense to you. But it doesn't mean just handing over your responsibility to like actually think through these things carefully yourself and to like come to some kind of understanding about it. Yeah, for sure. So I think that that's an important piece of responsibility. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think that one of the, one of the reasons why people struggle with this in the nexus is, is that, and we've discussed this before, but the nexus does this thing where it presents itself as the truth. Right. It just is 
the truth, you know? Um, it doesn't present itself as one ideology among others. No. It doesn't even have a name for itself, which yeah. is why we have to call it the nexus. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just presents itself as the truth and its ideas as the truth, you know? Yeah. And so if you're a person and you're just basically like, okay, like, I don't have, like, time to fucking read, like, right. all the literature that's ever been written about race or whatever right. it is, you know what I mean? Um, so, like, I'm just gonna, whatever, I follow these people, they say that they're experts on this. Right. Like, they're racialized people, you know? So, whatever, like, they're, like, and, and, and when they speak about this, they very much seems as though they're just the people who oppose racism and yeah. I oppose racism. Yeah. So I'm going to follow them. And if they tell me to fucking totally. do things or think things, basically I'm going to do that. You and know? they're claiming a lot of authority. They're, they're claiming a lot of authority and they're very convincing about yeah. it. If you are within that bubble, yeah. right? Because you are not exposed. Totally. Typically you are not exposed within the nexus to non or anti-racist thinkers yeah. who are outside of the nexus yeah because the nexus is very annoyed with those people yeah <laughs> you know um and in particular i'm thinking of like socialist anti-racists yeah. you know or even like honestly even like liberals like like john mcwhorter and people yeah. like that who are like obviously opposed to racism because they're fucking racialized people who are like liberals you yeah. know yeah. but they go about it in a very different way and totally. have like a lot of problems with the nexus etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah yeah um, and so basically that makes it more difficult for people to, um, exercise their responsibility because they kind of like don't even know that they're being irresponsible. In no. Way, and I know? think people do think that they're being responsible because they're trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. They're trying to do the right thing and they want it to be, they want it to be easy. Like they want it to be risk free. Like I think that people want to do the right thing and they don't want to make a mistake. And I guess this is an interesting thing that I'm going to say right now, but I think that, (laughs) I think that being responsible actually fundamentally opens you up to the possibility that you will make a mistake, Yeah, you know, and that you have to be kind of willing to do that in order to be responsible because I don't think responsibility is actually very safe in that sense. Like, I think that it's actually kind of risky and it's kind of, um, it's kind of like putting yourself out there, right? Definitely. Because if you're taking responsibility for yourself, like you are you're the one who is responsible. Like if you do something wrong, it's you, Yep. you know, it's not, it's not somebody else because you're not deferring to somebody else. Right. Like when I say, this is what I believe and I'm not saying, you know, uh, actually it's what that person over there believes. Then, you know, if later it comes out that, you know, some of what I'm saying, I believe is kind of fucked up or something, then it's me. It's on me. Right. Yeah. And I think that the, the punitive nature of cancel culture really makes the stakes of this much higher, right? Because it's like, it's actually fine if I believe something and then it's kind of fucked up. And then I, I later I'm like, Oh damn, that was actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, that's, part of, that's part of evolution yeah. as a person. Yeah. And it's part of responsibility in this way that we were talking about, about it being a striving thing where it's like, you know, I did the best with what I had, you know, I, I made the most sense out of the world with the information that I had at the time. Yeah. And, and that fell short in a bunch of ways. And then when I found out more information, I was like, Oh wow. Like my, and so what's responsible there, it's not the content of what I'm saying, but it's my orientation towards it. It's my willingness to think carefully and to, and to be sincere and to do my best. And then when I do get more information and I'm like, oh, wow, like actually what I was doing before and what I was thinking before was falling short. That doesn't mean I now condemn myself, you know, and condemn everybody else who thinks the way that I did. It means, okay, I'm shifting, I'm changing. And that is a responsible thing for me to do given the information that I now have. And I think that like, that's, that's just like built in, you know, that like to be responsible, it it is this fluid state that is like evolving. And it means that like, if you are being responsible, you are going to learn that like some of the ways that you were being before did not have all the information. 
Yeah. It was like responsible within what you had at the time. Yeah. But when you expand the picture outward, you're like, actually it was irresponsible in these various ways that I was not aware of at the time. Yeah. You know? Totally. We're all like in a process of learning. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Um, yeah, I wanted to circle back to this concept of agency and mm-hmm. and being an actor in the world, you know, um, because I think that there, like we talked about like two or several meanings of, of responsibility, but one that we haven't touched on that much is the concept of sort of being like in being the one that's in charge of yourself. Yes, you know, and actually, I was posting about this today, right, um, on my my Instagram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, like there's honestly the Nexus like hates this version of responsibility yes, because this is very important. This version of responsibility is, or this like meaning of the word, you know, is just that like if you make a choice of your own free will, yes, like you are the person who was in charge of making that <laughs> choice, and you're you're responsible for yes. for the outcomes of that choice. You yes. know, other people are not right, and the Nexus is very about making other people responsible for your own choices. Like, obviously, like, not always, but it's just something that happens a lot in the Nexus. A lot of cancellations are about that. Yeah. Like, very, very often, actually. Um, So, you know, you enter into a contract with someone or some kind of agreement with them um, of your own free will, of your own volition. And then it goes wrong in a way that you didn't like. Right. Um, They didn't pay you as much as you wanted or you had a disagreement with them halfway through and then exited the project or something like that. And what do you do? You're mad about it. And so you cancel them. Yeah. And we, we see this happen like very often. Yeah, very and then, often. And then basically like everything else that person has ever done gets retconned as like some sort of like oppressive ideology that they hold secretly deep inside them, you know? And then, and then before you know it, they're not even being punished for that, that disagreement that you had with them or whatever. They're being punished for their many years of transgressions or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this, you know, the examples that you just gave were sort of like professional, the cancellations that have to do with professional context, but they just as often or if not more often happen in interpersonal yeah. like dating type contexts. Absolutely. And that and goes back to that last episode that we did. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, an example with there could be, you know, in a relationship you agreed to something like, let's say you agreed to be polyamorous or you agreed to like have a certain kind of like sex or you agreed to like, um, you know, live in a certain way, like get a house with somebody, like yeah. some, something like that. And then later you decide that you didn't want that and that you felt Internally, you felt, let's say you felt pressure or you felt like you had to or something like that. But no one actually, like, made you do anything. Right. Right? Like, I mean, maybe somebody did make you do something, in which case that's not what we're talking about. Because that's, like, violent abuse and, and, like, coercion. But, like, in a situation where, like, no one forced you to do anything and you you enter into a situation of your own free will, the only person who can can be held responsible for that is you. And that doesn't mean that, like, you're, like, a fucking bad person. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not the point of this at Mm -hmm. all. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't doesn't mean that you, like, deserve to feel bad or something if you feel bad about what happened. All it means is that if... If something like that happens and then you you don't like it and it makes you feel bad, you're like what you need to do with that information is to not do it again. Yeah. You know, if someone treats you in a way that you don't like, your responsibility is to say, I don't accept to be treated like that. Yeah. And if it happens again, I will leave the situation. Yeah. You know, um, and a lot of people have like a huge amount of trouble with this for lo- like lots of good reasons. And it's, it's something that takes a lot of practice, actually. Yeah. It's part of it's a skill of being an adult. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I think that millennials have been like failed. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, in, in the sense that, like, kind of like a lot of these skills, like, nobody fucking taught it to us. 
us um, and we're like learning in our like mid thirties like how to how to like act like a responsible adult. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that it's something that in particular is very very missing from the nexus, which is constantly trying to find ways to make your choices the responsibility of other people. Yeah, and I think that like it's such a fundamental part of the nexus. This this resistance to personal responsibility that it's actually triggering for people to, to hear about it. Yeah. Like I, think I, so too. I can actually imagine that there's people listening to this who are feeling triggered even by us talking about this. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, apart from anything else, people on the right often like to talk about personal responsibility and I think that, you know, within the nexus, there's sort of this thing where, like, if people on the right talk about it, then I'm not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously silly, right? Yeah. yeah. But what were you going to say? Um, also, the concept of victim blaming, right? Right. Like, that's where people go with this. Right, right. Um, and, okay, so there's a bunch of stuff that I want to say about this. I have a lot of thoughts about this, so. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> one by one. <laughs> Let me try to unpack some of this. Okay, so... I think... That I agree that everybody, we have responsibility for our own actions. As adults, like children don't, right? Like children are learning how to be responsible for themselves. Yes. And there's a lot that they don't know about how to be responsible for themselves. Um, but also children like literally can't be responsible for their their needs and things like that. They cannot go to work and have a job and pay for their food, you know? Um, and so like there's, there's ways in which they are constantly dependent and they do not have a lot of responsibility and control over their lives. Right. But as adults, like part of becoming an adult and growing up is beginning to step into this concept of being responsible for yourself. Um, and that means, you know, that you take actions on your own behalf. You have a sense of like what you need and you, you seek out those things. You have a sense of what your boundaries are and you set those boundaries, you know, you do your best to like advocate on your own behalf. Are you following me here so far? Yeah. Um, I think that people's capacity to be responsible and to act on their own behalf varies, you know, and it varies based on a lot of things. I think that all adults or like most adults, let's say, have the capacity to grow into being responsible for themselves. Yeah. Um, I think that there's like, you know, some things that limit people's capacity, um, to take on responsibility at that level, such as like severe disability or something like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but for the most part, for most people, they do have the capacity to grow into being responsible for themselves as adults. Right. But there are things that make that harder. Um, one of those things might be being completely drunk all of the time. Yes. It's very hard, actually, to be um, responsible for yourself and your behavior um, when you're wasted out of your mind, right? As we know. Yeah. Um, another thing is which kind of can go hand in hand with the, the, the being drunk example is childhood trauma right yeah and i want to talk about this because like i think this is like a really important thing that like i'm always trying to find a way of saying so i'm just gonna freestyle it okay let's, let's do it <laughs> freestyle it on the pod so look <laughs> people with childhood trauma are very likely to be abused as adults, okay? It's a common thing that happens, right? They are also very likely to think they are being abused as adults when they're not being abused, um, but that's a different story. They actually are more likely to be abused as adults, and there's, like, statistics about this. I don't have them in front of me, but, like, the amount of people who experience domestic violence who were abused as children is very high, right? Right? Yeah. Um, and so with that, it means that that something about childhood abuse survivors capacity to be responsible has been eroded you know mm. their ability to act on their own behalf has been eroded right um and so that is why like people 
are sort of like vulnerable to abuse because they have learned through trauma in their childhood that they actually don't have the right to act on their own behalf, that they will be punished if they do, that they will not be loved if they do, that they will be abandoned if they do, right? And because their nervous systems are highly, highly impacted by trauma and because they have a hard time distinguishing inside themselves between the past and the present, you know, they may not understand something that is very obvious to people who are not traumatized. For example, they may not understand that they literally will not die if they lose this relationship, right? But they're like a non-traumatized person, somebody without childhood trauma, you know, if they are in a relationship and their, their partner is being a dick to them, it is much easier for them to be like, why would I put up with this and leave? Right? Yeah. yeah. But for somebody with childhood trauma, you know, they have messages inside their head that say, well, this is normal. They have messages inside their head that say, well, I deserve this. They have messages inside their head that say, I need this connection. And if I lose it, I will die, you know? So there's like many factors that lead to people with childhood trauma staying in situations that are bad for them and that are unhealthy and that are not meeting their needs or that are dangerous. Right. Yes. Um, and so it is true that people who are traumatized are at a higher risk of being victimized again. And that is all very true. And there's like other risk factors, such as, as I said, um, being um, drunk all the time or people who have like substance use issues, which actually also does tend to go hand in hand with trauma. Um, there's also like other things that can make you vulnerable, such as like living in poverty, for example. Yeah. If you are living in poverty and you don't actually like have a place to live, for example, then obviously it's a lot harder for you to be like, I don't want to be in this situation because you don't really have anywhere else to go, right? You're way more vulnerable. So there's like many different kind of things that can affect somebody's ability to take responsibility for themselves. And so I think that what we have done you know, the, the movement that cares about survivors, the movement that has come out of like the 1980s sort of like feminist, um, anti-domestic violence stuff has said, you know, that there are many factors that prevent someone from being fully able to take responsibility from themselves in situations that may be bad for them or that may be dangerous. And so then they've gone from there, they've taken this leap to say, if we talk about personal responsibility at all, we are victim blaming. Right. Right? Yes. That it is victim blaming to say that a person could have had any level of responsibility um, in terms of, like, what happened. Right? Yeah. That, they, that there was anything that they could have done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I... I'm, I'm just going to bring this up. Like, I, I respect Kai Chang Tom a lot. I really like her thinking. But, like, this is one thing that I saw on a post of hers that she made recently that I disagreed with, which was that she made this post that had to do with, like, um, like, I can't even remember what the post was about. But one of the things was that, <laughs> one of the things that, it was about, like, responsibility and, like, and like forgiveness and, like, accepting that things have, bad things have happened and, like, we're, how to move forward, right? Sure, sure, yeah. One of the common themes that Kai Chang Tom talks about. Yeah. But... One of the things that that she wrote was like, I accept that like that like there was nothing I could have done to stop this, right? Right, and like I take issue with this because that's true sometimes, and it's not always true. Yes, and saying that there was something that I could have done to stop it is not the same thing as saying it was my fault. Yes. Those are two different things, and yeah. it is extremely, yeah. extremely, yeah. extremely important to know that those are two different things. Yeah. Right. I do not have control over what another person does. What another person does is not my responsibility, right? So, like, the fact that, like, you know, somebody raised their arm to hit me, there's nothing that I could have done to, like, stop them from raising their arm to hit me because they are fully in charge of their own body and their own actions, right? I am not in charge of that, right? 
but there, there actually are things that I can do that, that actually put me in less dangerous situations. For sure. You know? Um, and that is not the same as saying that because I was in a dangerous situation, that means I deserved to be hit. Yes. Or that I caused that to happen. Yeah. The only person that caused it to happen is the person that did it. Full stop. That is true. But from a harm reduction perspective, right, there actually are lots of things that every person can do that reduce the risk of them being in situations that are dangerous and violent and scary. And that doesn't mean, like, I think that the the feminist response inside the nexus to this is that people are like, well, they shouldn't have to, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't even be talking about this because the only person responsible for assault is is the person who did it. And so, you know, any discussion of, like, what you could do to prevent assault yourself is just victim blaming. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you're kind of living in a fantasy world. It also profoundly robs people of the tools that they need to avoid fucking violent sexual assaults. Totally. Or, or like, sexual assaults in general. Yeah, you know? like, of course... We shouldn't have to. And I feel like that goes without saying, but if it needs to be said, of course we shouldn't fucking have to. Of course people should not be out here sexually assaulting people. Of course people should not be out here physically assaulting people. Yeah. It shouldn't be happening. Of course. But in reality, it is happening, right? And so what we need to be doing is we need to be obviously, you know, we need to be approaching it from two angles. One, we need to be being like, why are people doing those things? You know, and how can we create a world where where people are doing those things less? And I think that there's a whole line of thought that we could follow that way. Yeah. But for as long as people are doing those things, how can we empower people to be exposed to violence less, you know? And it's just, I wrote about this in an article um, that's on my Substack that's called Feminism Without Identitarianism. And basically, like, you know, when I came to this realization, I was like, wow, I'm really not allowed to, to say this or to think about this at all. It's like a totally not allowed inside like the feminist side of the nexus. Mm -hmm. But basically when I was an active alcoholic, when I was living in like a full trauma response 24 seven and just like extremely unwell, um, violence happened to me all the time. I was assaulted all the time, like literally like on a weekly basis, you know, like I was constantly being assaulted, um, by people that I was dating, by strangers, just violence was just a regular part of my life. And I thought, you know, that that was because I was a woman, you know, like Mm -hmm. I had weirdly combined feminism with my traumatic street involved life and been like, this is happening to me because I'm a woman. And this is the kinds of experiences that women have, but that's not true because once I got sober and I got therapy and I started to change the way that I was living my life, I, I haven't been assaulted in like 10 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that I couldn't be assaulted. Of course, I could still be randomly assaulted, you know, but I am no longer at a high risk for assault. Yeah. You don't pass out on street, like on, on fucking street corners or like on the park bench. You yeah. Know? Or like, I'm not just like constantly around people who are constantly doing violent things yeah. um, and like in vulnerable situations alone with them while I'm extremely intoxicated, yeah. you know? And so I'm not assaulted all the time. And so why does this matter? Like, this is not to say that you know, women who are in the situation that I was in deserve what's happening to them. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They absolutely do not deserve what is happening to them. But what it means is that there are specific things that we could do to help empower these women to experience violence less. And from a harm, harm reduction perspective, because I'm not saying, oh, you know, these women need to do exactly what I did and get sober. And, and that's the only way that violence will totally stop. No. You know, like there are ways that we can reduce violence even for women who are currently out there um but 
we need to be honest about what the risk factors are and why like violence isn't just random. It doesn't just happen like it can be, but mostly it's not. Mostly, actually, it happens to specific populations for specific reasons, right? Yeah. And so we need to be empowering people to protect themselves from violence as much as possible instead of just pretending that it's a totally random thing that we have no power to control at all, right? Yeah, for sure. And in, in the 12 steps, like, you know, we are encouraged at a certain point in the steps to look over, you know, fucking very negative events that have happened to us and try to look for our part in it and and figure out like what we may have done to get there and sometimes we didn't do anything to get there you know um but sometimes we absolutely did and it doesn't mean that the other person who is involved didn't do something wrong yeah absolutely they did if they assaulted you whatever it is but if you're trying to figure out how to change your own life yeah, so, that exactly. it, so that it looks different exactly. from the way that it has, then you do have to look at like negative events and figure out if you may have had a role to play or if, if, if certain like maladaptive behaviors that you're given to may have had a role to play exactly. you know? and identify those right? and change them. And, and so like for me, like me too, like, you know, when I was sexually assaulted, it was because I was blackout drunk in the house of a man that I didn't know, um, while being 19, you know? And like that, like, I don't do that anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not alone with strange men that I met on the internet while blackout drunk anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and, and again, like, obviously it doesn't mean that you should expect to be assaulted if you drink a lot, if you're queer, if you have sex with men. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, but it does mean that when I'm trying to examine my life and figure out why I had to go through that, like, very painful and fucked up experience, um, you know, I can definitely like look at patterns that I had that, that led to that, which involved, um, you know, consuming huge amounts of alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I will say often, um, like meeting gay men and like leading them on so that they would give me more alcohol and drugs, right? you know, which is something that I did. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, anyways, all that to say, like to sort of bring it back to what we were talking about earlier, like it's true that if you were, um, you know, abused as a child and you have like childhood trauma, it is much more difficult for you to set a boundary when, you know, a romantic partner is treating you really poorly, yeah. right? Like you, it's sort of like hardwired into your brain that, yeah. that you're not extremely, supposed to extremely. set a boundary or, that, yeah. or you might not even like imagine the yeah. possibility of it, yeah. right? That's true. At the same time, when we think about what it, what recovery would look like for that person, yeah, it looks like learning exactly that you are allowed to have those boundaries and how to set them exactly. And what that means, as we were talking about earlier, actually today when we were walking, um, it means that if you are already deep in an abusive relationship where someone is threatening you, threatening your pet, threatening yeah. your child, um, you know, controls your money, whatever it is, and that person treats you poorly, if you say. Uh, I don't consent to being treated like this. You might just get your ass kicked. Yeah. Or you might be killed. Yeah. Right? But if it's your first date with somebody and that person, you know, um, you know, whatever, like just treats you in a rude and disrespectful way. Yeah. Um, and your, your, your response immediately is to say like, actually, I don't, I don't, I'm not treated like that actually. So like we're not meeting again and yeah. goodbye, you know, then then that allows you to live a life where you're not being drawn into relationships in the long run that end up being abusive. Yeah, and that is how most non-traumatized people respond to that situation, right? right? And so if we care about traumatized people, it's we have to be honest that this is happening. Like, we have to be honest that this is a risk factor for traumatized people, and we have to start 
addressing it. We actually have to empower traumatized people to figure out how to learn these skills. For sure. And so like learning to take responsibility for your actions is not this process whereby we're supposed to be, um, you know, punishing and humiliating people who like never learned that or yeah, have like really, really bad skills around it or like learned that they weren't supposed to do that or have trauma that prevents them from doing yeah. that. It's a process by which we empower people to be like well-developed adults who have the kinds of skills that they need to navigate the world in, in safety. Yeah. Or at least in like a harm reduction way to like yeah. reduce the chances and like to, to bring it back a little bit to what you were saying about like, you know, being like a 19 year old alcoholic passed out in a guy's house. Like, you know, I think, I think people get defensive when they hear this because they either themselves or people they know or just people in general, like lots of people are just not in a fucking place to be acting as their most responsible selves. Of because, course. And some of the most vulnerable. I, mean, I fucking wasn't. Yeah. And <laughs> some of the most vulnerable and like marginalized people are like really not in a place. Right. And so then the only way that they can hear what we're saying is to be like, okay, well, I guess we're just throwing those people under the bus. Like, I guess those people don't matter, you know, and the only people who deserve safety are people who can sort of advocate for themselves or whatever. And we're like, no, actually we're not saying that. We're actually saying quite the opposite of that. Because this discourse that pretends that these factors aren't even a thing, they just ignore the reality of it. And so they don't, they don't address it. They don't, they don't help people to, to figure out what, what could help. Right. And it's like, of course, you know, for someone like you who was in that situation or someone like me who was in a lot of those situations, you know, what what we chose to do to like get, get help, get eventually get sober, like for me, like lots of therapy, et cetera. Like, obviously that was a very effective harm reduction strategy. In my case, it 100% got rid of the violence altogether, you know, but that those are the only options, right? And there are lots of harm reduction things that we can do that we can offer people to help empower them to reduce the violence that they're experiencing, even if they are in like a shitty place in their life and it's, it's hard. Right. And so like some of those things, you know, if you are like a blackout drunk kind of person or your friends are, you know, things like, um, safety calls or like texting where you are or being like, I'm going to be going out partying tonight, but you should hear from me at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, these are like harm reduction strategies that people who like, like to party, um, can do that decreases the chances of really fucked up things happening to them. Right. Even shit like, you know, and, and this is one piece of advice that, you know, even is fine in the nexus, but like even shit, like watching your drink at a bar, Yeah. you know, like not letting people like buy you drinks, like, you know, never leaving your drink anywhere, like that kind of shit. Like that is a very clear and, and good example of a harm reduction method exactly. that, that works very effectively. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and it, it does, it is, it's not to shame people who've been fucking roofied. No, exactly. Like, exactly. And I actually think like, we don't even take that as seriously as we should, you know, like I am definitely, I have been GHB'd and it's like, um, yeah, like, I'm always the person being like, don't fucking leave your drink, you know? Um, but, yeah, like, I I would like us, instead of just being so focused on, like, who's the bad guy and let's get him in trouble, like, sort of, like, rhetorically even, because usually we actually have no fucking power to stop people who are doing violent assaults, you know? Definitely canceling them is not going to help. <laughs> um, instead of just focusing on, like, who who's the bad guy here, you know? What can we do to empower people who are often having their agency taken away from them. Yeah. How could we increase their agency? 
Yeah. How could we help them to increase their agency, right? Yeah. And, like, this can look like a whole bunch of ways, right? Like, it, it can look like making sure that people have access to condoms, making sure that people have access to, like, drug testing kits, making sure that people know about the concept of a safety call, making sure that people who are drunk can still go into a shelter, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's all sorts of harm reduction things that we can do to help the people who are the most likely to experience the most violence um, to increase their agency. But one thing that just doesn't help is to just be like, well, there's nothing that they could do. There's nothing that any of us could ever do to prevent um, to prevent violence. And, like, of course, it's always possible that something could totally happen randomly, like, for sure. But actually, there's, like, so many things that we can do to decrease the chances of something really fucked up happening to us. Yeah. Um, and... And honestly, this reminds me very much of the serenity prayer. Right. You know, which is, like, we accept the things that we cannot yeah, change. Exactly. So, like, if something happened to you and you could not have changed it, then, like, you, you have to accept that you couldn't change that. Yeah. And, and like, it, it sucks very much and then you grieve, yeah. you know, and there's, like, a whole process yeah. and it's very, like, horrible if it was a very horrible event. But eventually, you know, you can accept that it wasn't your fault yeah. and you move on. And yeah. I think that that is what Kai Cheng Tom was probably trying to get at, you yeah. know. Um, but then you also have to change the things that you, that you can change. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, there are like lots of experiences where, and th- I think this is a complicated, this is a complicated experience for a lot of people to reckon with this, right? Because, especially because of the way that we, the way that we look at things in the nexus that is so focused on blame and punishment, right? Mm. But there are lots of situations that maybe you could have changed it. Yeah. And it happened though. Yeah. Anyway, right? It happened anyway. And, and because at the time you did not know that you could have changed it at the time, you did not have the tools. You did not have the skills. You did not know. Sure. You didn't, you know, you did the best with what you had, but had you had more skills, had you had more capacity, you know, then you could have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's not like, you know, it's not like there's nothing that you could have done. There actually are things that you could have done. It's just that you didn't do them for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and so that is a different kind of grief too. And I think it's it's very painful because it's more like, oh shit, man, it's not just that like it happened and there was nothing that I could do. It's that like I didn't do the things that I could have done for whatever reason, you know? Definitely. Um, and that is like I think harder for people because it means looking at your responsibility, that's not the same as saying that it's your fault. It just means that there was like there was agency there that you didn't act upon. There was like the possibility of your own agency that you were not able to fulfill for some reason. And there's like I think that that could be so generative, you know, if we didn't look at that as a place of blame, as being like, oh, because there was the possibility of some agency and you didn't act on it, then therefore it's your fault and you have no, you have no right to be upset about this. Like, absolutely not. It's not your fault. You know, regardless of what you did or didn't do, the other person is still completely responsible for their actions and that's that, you know? Yeah. Um, but the piece that you could get out of this is being like, okay, well, why was I in that situation? Or like, why was I unable to act on my agency in a way on my own behalf, you know? And then how could I figure out what I need to do in the future to increase my agency, to decrease the possibility of such a thing happening to me again? Yeah. And I would like to see a feminism and like a anti-violence or like anti-abuse kind of movement that is like way more focused on that and focused on empowering people to see where their agency is and what they could do to reduce the possibility of fucked up things happening to them. Yeah. So, like, all of that being said, you know, this this discourse, and we talked about this a lot in the last episode, so we probably won't talk about it too much in this episode, but this exact discourse that I just talked about that is, like, you know, you, you cannot point to people's 
responsibility because it's victim blaming. Um, you cannot encourage people to see where they might have had more agency because it's victim blaming. Like that's not helpful even in these really, really severe situations that we talked about, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, even somebody who ha- is very marginalized and has a really hard time still has a bunch of agency that if they were able to act on it, it would help, you yeah. know? Um, but then we apply this because this is the way the nexus works with its like constant conceptual drift. We apply this to situations that are not about violence at all, you know? Um, and this is the, the stuff about like, um, you know, interpersonal relationship cancellations and, and, um, whether it's like in dating or professional contexts, right? Yeah. And this is the stuff that you were talking about, you know, before I went on this long rant, but basically it's like, you know, you were talking about agreements that people make in a relationship, Right? Yeah. And sometimes these are like explicit agreements, and sometimes they are not even explicit agreements, but it's just the way that the relationship is, right? It's like, um, I don't know. Like, I use the example of my ex, my poor ex, who I always talk about on this podcast (laughs) without naming them. Um, But, like, you know, I wasn't happy in that relationship. Yeah. And, like, for example, one of the things that I wasn't happy about is like, we would go on dates and, like, go out for dinner on, like, our date night, and they would just be on their phone. You know, like at the dinner table, just on their phone. Right. And I didn't like that, you know? And so when, when something is happening in a relationship that you don't like, whether that be a dating relationship or a professional relationship or whatever, you know, you have some options. There's a few options that you have. And and this is like, this is what your responsibility is, Right. right? You can decide to accept it and say, all right, that's the way it is. And I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. You can choose to negotiate, right? So you could say, I don't like it that you're doing that. Are you willing to change um, this behavior? Are you willing to do this other behavior instead? Would you be willing to, like, see maybe you could, like, go on your phone for a limited time or not at the dinner table or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, or you could leave the relationship, right? Yeah. And you could do, like, a combination of these things. It doesn't have to be one or the other, right? You could decide to try to negotiate, see how that goes, and then if whether or not it goes well, then from there you could decide, am I willing to accept the level at which things have changed? Is that acceptable to me? Or is this not acceptable to me and I need to leave the relationship, right? And I think that the skill of sort of, like, discerning that for ourselves and deciding, is this working for me or not, it's such a basic relationship skill that we just literally do not have. And the nexus, like, erodes it horribly. Um, so instead, you know, what happens is, is that people, they put up with things that they don't like in a relationship, you know, either not saying anything at all or perhaps having repeated conflicts that don't get resolved because there are mismatched needs and people are not able to come to an agreement, right? Yeah. Um, and so then when the relationship ends, you know, instead of being like, damn, I was in a relationship perhaps for several years even, where I was not happy and my needs weren't being met, you know, that's a great opportunity for you to ask yourself a whole bunch of questions about what are your needs, you know? Um, Were you negotiating to have them met? If you were negotiating to have them met and they still weren't getting met, um, you know, was that something you were actually truly able to accept or was it something that was continuing to make you unhappy? If it was something that was continuing to make you unhappy, 
why were you unable to leave the relationship, right? And again, these are not questions that we ask out of blame and condemnation. They are actually generative questions to try to make changes in the future so that you don't repeat the same thing, right? Maybe you learn from this, like, hey, I actually have like a really hard boundary around this thing that I was accepting in a relationship for years. So going forward, I need to be a lot more transparent and explicit about that boundary. And if that boundary is being broken, I need to just leave the relationship, you know? Um, but instead what we do inside cancel culture is we condemn the other person and we're like, the other person is abusive. The other person is bad. The other person is fully responsible for the fact that I was unhappy in that relationship. Right. Or they need to be made fully accountable. (laughs) Yeah. They need to be made fully accountable. And very often like what, what happens with this is that like we, instead of being like all people are different, you know? And all people have different sorts of desires, different boundaries, different ideals for like what a good and fulfilling relationship would be, yeah. you know, and that a relationship is actually about coming together and finding a middle ground between those things, seeing if it's a good fit, yeah. you know, when it's not a good fit. And when one person is very unhappy with the ways that it's going, you know, um, they will pathologize the other person, you know, as if the fact that that person didn't want to have a relationship in the way that you did makes them inherently bad, you know? And even me, like, talking about my ex, right? I'm kind of, like, rolling my eyes being, like, my ex was constantly on the phone at the table as if that's, like, such a really terribly bad thing. Mm -hmm. But is it inherently a terribly bad thing? It's kind of rude, but maybe for them that's actually totally fine and they wouldn't mind if I was on the phone at the table, right? Like, it's not a boundary thing for them. Like, they're like, that's fine to me, you know? But to me it wasn't. So it's not about the the behavior itself. It's about the fact that it was not something that I wanted. And I don't need to pathologize all people who are like on the phone at the table and can instead just be like, that's not something I want in my relationship. Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, yeah, I think a lot of this, I mean, we, we've, we've pulled on the thread throughout this episode of the difference between responsibility and accountability. Yeah. One thing that's coming clear to me as we go through this is that, like, I mean, actually, it comes down to another 12-step thing, which is just this this idea that we can't really control other people. Yes. We can't really control other people. Yes. Um, we can control ourselves. Yes, exactly. And accountability, I think as a structure, the way it's used in the Nexus is all about controlling other people. Yeah. Responsibility as I conceptualize it, yes. as we conceptualize it is about, uh, controlling ourselves and trying to figure out, you know, ways that we can grow ways that we can, um, be more in line with in alignment with our ethics and so on and so forth. Um, and not about controlling other people. Yes. You know, like it's saying like, if I was in a shit situation, like that sucks a lot obviously how can I make sure that doesn't happen again yeah. or whatever. Or if I was responsible for a shit situation yeah. and, and I don't want to do that anymore because by the way, you know, we've been talking about shitty situations that we've been the victims of, but we were also the authors of many shitty situations. Yeah, of course. Um, as, as alcoholics often are and drug users and, and also just people with mental health issues and also all kinds of people yeah. all the time because yeah. people are messy. Um, you know, you to be responsible also means to figure out how to not do that again as well. Exactly. Right. Um, it's again, it's not about trying to figure out, you know, saying, you know, uh, if I caused the shitty situation, but like basically you shouldn't have like been there if you no. felt harmed by it or no. whatever. You know it's what your I mean? side of the street. It's, it's my side of the street. I'm responsible for my side of the street because yeah. that's where I live. Exactly. And it's, and it's like, you know, if I'm the one who, whatever, like, I'm like, what's a good example of me being a total asshole to someone? Like, I'm just like, you know, whatever. Like, if I was, like, constantly screaming at this person and being a total dick to them whenever they were around me... The cheese sandwiches. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> no, you have to tell the story. Oh, okay. Well, I'm kind of like, what would those people's boundaries have been, though? I don't really know, because they were trying <laughs> to offer services to street-involved and homeless. Basically, now I have to tell the story on the podcast. Uh, when I was an active alcoholic, I used to get cheese sandwiches from these Christians on this little van, or this little, yeah, it was a little van or a little bus, and, and they were Christians. I think it was, yeah, it was the Salvation Army. Um, we called it the Sally Van. And they would give me cheese sandwiches, and I would insult their god, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yell at them? Yeah. Yeah, I would insult their god and yell at them. Um, but I guess for them, you know, I mean, I don't really... I it was don't, probably pretty par for the course, actually. For yeah. their work. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. like an intervention worker. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was a very weird aside. But basically, what... When I look at my side, you know, of that interaction, I need to be like, okay, what were the conditions that were leading me to be drunk and insulting this person's God? Um, <laughs> you know, and I need to work on that. It's not my place to be like, well, you know, maybe they shouldn't have gone into that line of work if they don't like people yelling at them about their God or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's there. It's for them to reflect on that. It's for them to reflect on what their boundaries are about that and whether right. or not it's worth it for them to stay in that line of work, so on right. and so forth, right? Right. Right. right? It's That's their side of the street, but that's not my side of the street. It's not It's not neither here nor there for me to be thinking about that, you know? It's like, that's for them, and mine is, okay, I was acting in these ways, and that's my responsibility to look yeah. at. And again, to just hammer it home one more time, because we don't think we could control other people, we're not saying that you need to do this or we're not saying that a street involved youth has to stop insulting right. people's God. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that if you are trying to figure out how to stop screaming at people and insulting their yeah. God. If there's anyone listening who currently yells at people about their gods, <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah. And okay. So one thing that I want to say about this and it's, it's crazy. Like it's, it's something that I really, I think it's so fundamental and it's so important and it's so hard for people. Right. And it's, I think it's hard for people in general, but it's really fucking hard for people in the nexus to wrap their minds around this. Right. Here it is. You cannot control other people. (laughs) All right. Listen, you can't, it's not possible. Okay. It's not just that it's not ethical or that it, it doesn't really work very well. It actually isn't possible to control other people. You can, you know, like beyond, I guess, the only way that it would be possible is to like physically force them, you know? Um, but beyond that... Even then, you can't control what's in someone's yeah, head. you can't control what's in their head. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, and, and you can use like coercion and dominance and violence and all of these things to try to force someone or to like successfully force someone to do what you want. But yeah, exactly what Jay said. They are still a free fucking person inside their head. Yeah. They are. Um, and they have the ability and, and the right and the responsibility to fucking think whatever it is that they think and to do whatever it is that they're going to do. Right. Yeah. And so what cancel culture does is it very strongly tries to force people to do what whatever it is that the counselor wants them to do, right? Mm -hmm. And people are so exasperated about the fact that we can't control other people. And that doesn't mean that we can't influence other people. It doesn't mean that we can't encourage other people. It doesn't mean that we can't even, in some cases, do, like, hard interventions in which we, in some way, do force other people. Um, But still, you know, we actually don't have control over other people, right? Yeah. And, and like, I don't know how to say this in a way that people can really understand because I feel like people just really don't understand it when I try to say it, you know? But it's, like, even if I, you know, like, let's think of an example of, like, very extreme force and very extreme control of, of another person. An example would be, like, jail, for example, mm. right? I can physically put someone in jail and control them in, like, a very physical way. 
but that person is still doing whatever it is that they're doing, first of all, inside jail. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also inside their own minds. And also when they get out. And also when they get out, right? So it's like nothing has actually changed. I mean, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but like I can't make that change happen in them. You know, I can't make that change happen in them. And I can do things that might, you know, encourage change. And those, the things that encourage change are not, they're not force. People don't like to feel forced, you know? People don't like to feel forced. And what force, like, what it creates, usually, in my experience, is... Resistance. Either resistance and, and like, um, like, like, fighting back. And being like, fuck you. Or, like, deference and submission. And, like, please don't hurt me. You know? Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. It's like, when you try to force someone, it does not create the conditions for that person to, like, genuinely make a a real change from their own agency, from their own responsibility. You know? And it's funny, because the (sighs) refusing accountability is, like, the phrase that's repeated so often that we made it a fucking, like, title of of a whole stream of our episodes, you know? Um but, like, what people are really, like, angry about when they're accusing yeah. someone of refusing accountability is they're, they're, they're accusing that person of being, like, uncontrollable. You yeah, know? exactly. But, like, like, you know, that person is probably, you know, doing it in a bit of a more, like, overt way or whatever. But, like, in the end, like, what those people are angry about is the fundamental fact that you cannot fucking control other people. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they're basically just being like, stop reminding me that I can't control you. Well, and they're flabbergasted by it. And people constantly come into my DMs. And, and they say like, well, what are you supposed to do? They're like, okay, you disagree with cancel culture. I get it. But what are you supposed to do if you told someone several times to do what you want, to do something and you've asked them in many ways, you've told them in many ways, you've had many different people tell them, you know, you've attempted, you know, some mild forms of coercion and this person is still not doing what it is that you want them to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes these things that they want them to do are totally ridiculous, and it's absurd that they're trying to force this person to do something. It's like situations where it's like, I want you to to choose to have the the types of relationships that I want to have. I want you to agree with me about this thing. Like, people are allowed to disagree with you. People are allowed to have different types of relationships from you, you know? People are free people, and they don't have to agree with you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes these are also, like, more serious, like, actual things in which that person is violating somebody else's autonomy, right? And Mm -hmm. and they want to stop them. Like, this person, you know, has sexually assaulted people or whatever. Either way, though, you know, like... So basically what they say to me is they're like, I, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and the person is still not doing what we want, so now we have to cancel them, right? right. And the idea is that, like, canceling them, creating this huge campaign is going to, like, make them change their behavior. And I'm like, it's, first of all, not even very effective. It's not even very practical. Like, you're definitely going to fuck up that person's life in a huge way and it's it's definitely going to suck for them. Yeah. But it doesn't actually necessarily effectively make them stop whatever behavior it is that you want them to stop. Yeah. It just means that they're probably going to go about it in a different way or they're going to try to avoid you in some kind of way. Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely isn't going to create the conditions for them to do, you know, the deep reflective change that would be necessary in a case of somebody who does like repetitive violent behaviors. And people devote so much fucking time and energy to these, these extensive campaigns designed to try to control the actions of another person, often a total stranger. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, man, it's like, it's so like time consuming. It's so like resource intensive. And I'm just like, if you want to produce a positive change in the world, you have that capacity in yourself. Yeah. You're, you can change things about yourself, you know? You can you can partake in actions that yeah. make the world a, a, an objectively better place, totally. you know? Um, and even, like, in terms of just, I don't know, like, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like I, I used to make this joke all the time, and I'll just make it again. It's like when people ask like what to do if like they can't control someone. Well, they can go pick up trash by the river. Yeah, like totally. It's, it's more it's more effective. Yeah, and if people are like you know, because this is what people will always say to me, right? And I mean, they will say it about situations that are not actually about abuse, but they will also say it about situations that are about abuse. So just to like you know, what is it called when you like? The opposite of a straw man, like an like uh, they call it like a steel man, like a steel man. So basically, just to like take their strongest argument, right? Like, let's say we really are talking about serious abuse. Let's say we're talking about rape or something really intense, right? Yeah. People are like, well, what are we supposed to do? This person is still doing this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, what you should do is you should try to like create a world with less rape in it. You should try to work toward a world in which rape happens less. Because even if you do manage to somehow control this individual rapist, which I don't believe you're going to be very successful at with a cancellation campaign, Mm -hmm. but even if you were somewhat successful in controlling this one particular rapist, you do know that there's many others out there, right? Mm -hmm. You do know that controlling this one particular rapist is actually doing nothing to at large, get rid of the issue of rape. Yeah. And so if the issue is that you don't want people to be raped, then we actually have to do bigger, more transformative work um, that happens on many levels, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and if you don't want people to continue to rape, yeah, probably the best thing you can do is, like, to participate in, like, men's groups and stuff or fucking contribute to funds for, like, like therapy for, like, working-class men or, like, whatever it is. You know, there's well, all, all sorts of different things like that. There's a million different paths that we could go down in terms of, like, effective, like, holistic responses to sexual violence, yeah. right? One of them is what, what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's, like, all the stuff that we were saying earlier about empowering people who are at high risk to to be able to practice further harm reduction and to be at lower risk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, I actually made, like, a whole post about this, about, like, things to do to, like, um, address sexual violence that are actually effective, you know? And they range from, like, a whole bunch of different things, right? There's there's actually so much work that needs to be done. There's so much work that needs to be done. Um, there's, like, doing, like, effective and good sex education for people so that they have a better understanding of, like, what consent actually is and, like, how it works and, like, how to do things like nonverbal consent practices and, like, you know, giving people, like, trauma-informed consent where they understand that, like, trauma survivors go nonverbal, you know? Like, giving people consent practices that actually work with their real lives so that they can, you know, more effectively have consensual sex where they're not accidentally doing consent violations, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, there's, like... There's just literally so many things that we could be doing. There's a lot of different things we could be doing. And I mean, it ranges from, yeah, like policy stuff, you know, to just being of service, like in the community often is like a a very effective means of making the world a better place in small ways, you know? And we can like, honestly, like in the absence of like a, you know, a big like social movement that we're participating in, like small ways are the ways that we can make the world a better place. Like we're small people. Like, you know what I mean? And I don't know, just to big book this like a little bit more, um, in 12 steps, like particularly in the, the big book of AA, um, like because the different 12 step groups have their own books and yeah. stuff, but in this particular That's book, the original one. Yeah. It's the original one. Um, you know, they talk about the, the, 
it's like a parable basically about like um the guy who's trying to direct a play right you know and yeah. he's and he's just there and he's trying to tell like every single actor what to do and every time an actor like does anything he's like no you have to do it exactly like this well yeah but the 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 point of the story is that he's not the director he's literally an actor right but he but he's trying to be the director the sound guy like right. the script writer etc right. and so he's trying to control every element of this play that he's an actor in yeah. right um, but obviously he, he can't, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it's impossible to hold all that information. Yeah. And also people start getting resentful of him because yeah, they're of like, course. you're like a, just a random actor. Why are you telling me how to do my job? Yeah. And like, why do you think that you should be in charge? Also, of the this, play of cannot this, go on this way. Yeah. This entire play. And also like, how can the, yeah, how yeah. can the play happen if you're running around? Yeah. You know, you have to act. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and basically like, it's just a, a sort of thing to try to remind you that like when you try to control everything and everyone around you, like not only does it, does it not work, but it'll cause like a collapse of yeah. everything. And also everyone will fucking hate you, Yeah, you know? And this is, this is the, the this is the case with cancel culture, man. Yeah. This is exactly what people are trying to do. They're like logging onto the internet, you yeah. know, and sort of like identifying bad guys and expending enormous amounts of yeah. time and energy in this completely fruitless attempt to control other people while neglecting their own, you know, like their own responsibility, their own like self growth, their own like actualization as a person. Um, and also not playing their, their own role as like a positive, like community member, completely like ignoring all of that in the service of this like vain attempt to control everything and everyone around them. Yeah. And it's not effective. It's not effective. It doesn't fucking work. And it makes you feel bad and it makes people hate you. And it's actually funny in a weird way. There's like a weird contradiction between the fact that like, I'm still thinking about the, like the violence stuff and like, you know, on the one hand, um, you're not allowed to talk about small ways in which people can increase their agency and their their ability to like protect themselves because that's considered victim blaming, right. you know. But we somehow believe that we have a responsibility to like literally control people who have done violence and like stop them and like take over their entire lives to somehow prevent them from doing that again. Mm. Like we don't acknowledge the fact that we actually can't. Like, it isn't possible. It's such a bizarre thing, because I'm thinking about my, like, abusive, my really abusive ex-partner, and I'm like, do you guys think it's my responsibility to start, like, a cancel campaign against him? Because, like, what if he does it again? Mm. I'm like, guess what? He probably is going to do it again. You know? And and nothing that I do, like, in terms of, like, trying to destroy his life is actually going to effectively stop him from doing it again. Like... You know? Yeah. And I guess people are like, well, you know, it takes away his opportunities and it warns people and stuff like that. And I'm like, I guess. It also, like, totally isolates him from basically everything that he would need to get the help that he needs to get in order to truly transform his behavior. Yeah, like, any chance that he that he has at, you know, building some sort of, like, stability for a couple of years so that he can fucking, like... like go to therapy. Go to therapy. Or, exactly. Like, yeah, just, like, have, like, a friend that he exactly. doesn't fucking, like, alienate, you know? Exactly. And so I'm like, you know, do we want... I don't know. Do we want to like? Do we want to be righteous, or do we want things to change? Do we want to create examples out of people and just like vent all our frustration at these like individual scapegoats, or do we want to actually invest our energy into like doing things that like effectively can address these larger fucking problems that we have in our society? These serious problems of like violence and abuse, like they need to be addressed. But like, yeah. yeah. And like, do you think that you should be in charge of everybody else, or do you think that you should be in charge of you? Yeah. And like, what is what is in your capacity and 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 within your power to change, and what isn't? Mm-hmm. So, really, sanity prayer again. Yeah, and honestly, like as you know, people in the program, and honestly, like fuck, I haven't been to a meeting in so fucking long that I I always like forget all this shit until I like bring it up again, and I'm like, God, this stuff is really like important and powerful. Um, but it is um, it's counterintuitive, 
but as with many things in in the 12 step program like it, it at least in my case i will say that it's like very profound and important but you start to feel so so much better let's put that a different way i start to feel so so much better when i stop trying to control other people yeah. and i just focus on myself even though it feels much more um satisfying to try to control other people yeah. like in in an immediate shallow sense anyway yeah. because you're like well like th- things are bad and yeah. i want them to stop and yeah. these people are annoying and yeah. like you know you can get really like you can sink your teeth into it and it's like a whole thing you can just chew on all day long you know yeah all this drama and conflict and 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 people being bad and acting in ways you don't like and stuff you know but i mean like ultimately what is going to make me feel fulfilled yeah it's like when i when i fucking like like breathe and take a look at myself you know and like what is going to make us effective actors like if we do want to be responsible members of our communities if we do want to be affecting positive change then we need to be directing our energy towards things that we actually have the capacity to change things that we actually are responsible for yeah you know um which is ourself and our own actions and that doesn't mean that we can't make effective change in the world like it's actually quite the opposite because it's like when we focus on the things that we don't have control over we just like spin our wheels you know we like we we definitely can do a lot of stuff but like how effective is the the stuff that we're doing because we're like banging our heads against a wall you know it's like yeah it's just like an enormous waste of time and resources yeah that just produces a lot of fucking misery yeah and a lot of frustration and like energy is better spent moving freely along lines that are actually effective, like changing the things that you can. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, okay, so I'm going to throw a little disclaimer in here before I think we should probably wrap up soon. Yeah. But, you know, like when we're saying that you you can't control people and that like it's better to sort of focus on your own part in things and focus on your own side of the street, like just to be clear, that doesn't mean that like people shouldn't be like held to basic standards of, of comportment, you know? Um, and like, you know, especially like in, within like an organization, right? Like right. if there's like, you know, someone who's supposed to be doing a particular role and they're like not doing it well or they're doing it like abusively or whatever like you know there are like there should be mechanisms in place yeah. to, to be able to deal with situations yeah. like that you know what i mean um that's fine that's that's normal yeah, that's like, part of like normal social but like the difference is right is that it's like you know in a situation like that you might there should be a mechanism through which you could um you could challenge that behavior, and then if that behavior isn't changing, you could potentially get the person removed from that position, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. But that's not the same as being like, I'm now going to control this person. I know. And, and that person going forward, like, must do what I say. I know. And and I'm saying this because I think that a lot of people um, within the Nexus, they kind of operate interestingly. Like, okay, I'm going to make, like, a gigantic generalization here. I think a lot of people act as though they are in organizations and are not in organizations. Right, you know? right. Um, and like, yeah. they're, they're sort of like, well, like what do we do to like hold someone account, a figure accountable who has like, yes. not been blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you're talking, first of all, you're talking about like fuck, some fucking some like Instagram person, yeah. like not like, yeah. you know what I mean? And they're like, well, it's like a leader in the field. It's like, okay, it's an Instagram person. Yeah. Um, and what you do to hold them accountable is like nothing because you're not in an organization with this person, Yeah. you know? And like, if that person is in an organization and let's say they have actually in some, you know, not let, let's say like they like plagiarize something very right. like overtly, you know, and so there should, you know, there should be consequences yeah. for something like that. It's like not something that you're supposed to be allowed to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but like the organization should have a mechanism clearly laid out yeah. with like rules, you yeah. know, um, by which they say like, okay, since you like broke a guideline that we yeah. have and that you agreed to when you fucking signed on, like you're no longer going to be in this position. That's it. 
Right. Zip, 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 it's done. You yeah. Know? Um, there is no need for, like, a gigantic fucking, no. like, campaign of harassment against yeah. this person and, like, fucking, you know, like, harassing their, like, partner yeah. and, like, calling and trying their to control work their whole life. Yeah. Trying to control their entire life, whatever. Yeah. Like, there, there's, like, literally no fucking purpose in something like that, yeah. you know? Like, when organizations are, are perfectly capable of, like, carrying out these things all by their own, all by themselves, you know? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just want to say that because, like, a lot of people, yeah, just are, are just caught up in this idea that it's their it's their job to try to like hold random Instagram people accountable. Yes, people are very obsessed with that idea. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. I mean, there's a lot I could say about that, but maybe I'll leave it for another time. Yeah. Anyways, I think that covers like a lot of what we think about yeah. responsibility. Um, let us <laughs> definitely went on some lengthy tangents. Yeah, we went on some tangents. We went to some spicy places. Um, <laughs> like let let us know. What you think? Um, we're curious because it's our first time doing like a sort of freestyle episode like this. I think it was, I think it was good, and it I think was it was. Generative. I think yeah. it was interesting, and I kind of like thinking this way. I think it allows me to think in a more free flowing way than when we're trying to like organize our thoughts and plan them in this. I think there's a, obviously a place for that too, and we're not going to stop doing those types of episodes. But I think we'll do this kind once in a while. Yeah, I also um, drew a really cool thing. During yeah, the course of this episode. Jay likes to draw while while they're while they're talking. Um, but definitely, yeah, get in touch with us. You can contact us at uh, fuckingcancelled at gmail.com. There's no you in fucking um, because, I don't know, Google's weird about swear words. Yeah. And um, cancelled has to L because we are Canadian. Yeah, and you can check out our Patreon. It's just a... Uh... It's patreon.com slash fucking canceled. You can't really look it up on Patreon because it's considered 18 plus. Also, I guess because Patreon doesn't like swearing. You just Google Patreon fucking canceled. Yeah, you find it there. Um, And we have a big cartel too. We have like merch. Oh yeah. We should talk about the merch. We haven't really talked about the merch on the pod. I don't think ever. Or maybe once or twice. Yeah. Well, we have a a store, like an online store. It's called Big Cartel, you know? So it's like fucking canceled.bigcartel.com. Yeah. um, we have shirts. We have a couple different zines. Yeah. Um, including, Stickers. Including one, which is like, it's like a, a highly edited and very beautifully presented transcript of episode six. Yeah. Um, which is on... Uh, and it has nice diagrams, too, to help you. <laughs> Jay did a good job put, on the diagrams. diagrams yeah, to help you think through. Like, there's some kind of like, you know, I mean, they're like some some concepts that are like... I think you did a good job. Yeah, like, reasonably dense concepts that yeah. deserve nice diagrams. Yeah. Um, I'm an academic at heart, so like... And a, also a, a visual diagram. thinker. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, but yeah, so we basically, we, we turned that into a zine, um, and we put like a nice cover on it, and like, yeah, so yeah. you can grab that. Um, and we have lots of stickers. Um, if you yeah. are... If you have a strong desire to let your local community know that there are dissenters in the midst, um, you can sticker up your community and we have like, you can buy like large batches. So it's like, I can't remember how much they cost, but like basically like the more you buy, like the cheaper cheaper they are. are. And so you can buy like a hundred stickers if you want and like put them up in your, in wherever you live to just like, sort of like let the cancelers know. And recently we made a mug. Yes. Because it's a podcast tradition. tradition. Yeah. yeah. You have to have a mug. So we have a mug. Um, I think that's what we have. Yeah. Oh, uh, we also have discounts for the most impacted. <laughs> I um, forget what they are, though. Yeah, so it's people... If you're in Montreal, Portland... Brooklyn. New, New York City. No, it's Brooklyn. Brooklyn, specifically. Yeah. Okay, Brooklyn. Um, Melbourne. Melbourne. And somewhere in Europe. I feel like Berlin. Maybe Berlin. We'll have to check. But uh, yeah, anyways, we, we basically picked the five canceliest cities that we've heard of. And um, if you're in any of those cities, you get a discount. Yeah, you basically at the checkout, you put in the name of the city. Um, 
Basically, I guess if you want to check and see if your city is one of them, you can just type in the name of your city at the discount. But I think that those are the ones that we said are, yeah. are them. And then I can't remember what the discount is, but yeah. we think we're hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely check it out. It's also another way that you can support the podcast if you're into it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being here with us on this journey and having these conversations. We hope that it's generative and we hope that, you know, you're thinking about these things for yourself because once again, to follow up on our theme of responsibility, you know, unlike a lot of the stuff that, you know, you hear in the Nexus and the way that you're encouraged to listen in the Nexus, we are not actually asking you to defer to us, you know? Yeah. We're not telling you how to be a good person. We just assume you're a good person already because people are. Yeah. And that you would like to have tools yeah. To continue. <laughs> and also, we're not telling you that you have to agree with everything that we say. Like, we're actually... No. We're hoping and encouraging that you will... It would be weird if you did. That you will think for yourself and that you will, like, listen, you know, and take, you know, consider what we've said, you know, and think deeply and think about what other people are saying and think about your own experiences and other people's experiences and, like, really come to your own conclusions about all of this. And, like, you know, we also hope that you'll be having these conversations with other people and, like, bringing things to the conversation that we aren't even bringing, you know? Yeah. So go forth and um, prosper and and be responsible. <laughs> go forth and be responsible. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Okay, bye. Bye.